Welcome to the Develop Your Dream podcast, where you can begin your journey to achieving your full potential. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 12 of the Develop Your Dream podcast, where we discuss self-development topics from a Hispanic and minority perspective. I'm your host, Whitney Gonzalez. Today we have a great conversation about how sustainability can meet self-care, but first I wanted to quickly ask you guys, if you have a couple seconds when you're done listening to the episode, pop over and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast out to new listeners. So our guest today is Dylan York. Dylan is a fellow writer and travel lover who's made it her mission to raise awareness about environmentally conscious travel, sustainable habits, and environmental advocacy. In this conversation, you'll learn about ways we can be kinder to our planet by reducing our consumption and our carbon footprint, and how that contributes to our overall well-being. I really hope you enjoy it and learn something new. I know I did. So without further ado, let's jump in. Well, hey, Dylan. Thanks so much for joining us on today's episode. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm glad we're like getting an opportunity to just chat. How about we get started with you telling us a little bit about yourself? So I traveled for a few years after college. That was sort of my obsession. I get very tunnel vision-y. So all of my like finances and energy just went to like traveling or planning travel. I went to like Central America and South America for a while. Um, My last trip was to Italy. And I really thought like that was the industry that I wanted to work in. And so I started networking a little bit more and going to conferences and actually pretty quickly became like disillusioned with it, or at least uncomfortable with what my role would be. Because the more I traveled, like, you know, the more I was seeing pollution and realizing that like a lot of the native animals and the places I was visiting for their natural beauty were endangered. But then the travel industry is, there's so much variety in it. Um, With like travel blogging, especially you've got like people who focus on fashion and you have people who focus on like sustainability and stuff as well. But I felt like what I was doing or the direction I was going in was just a bit superficial. Like I really didn't want to promote going um, to visit places just to like enjoy the beauty and leave. For the gram. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I was seeing so many like travel bloggers or influencers um, posting photos of these uh, seemingly like really amazing destinations. And then there were a few times where I would like, I would get somewhere and realize like, well, it doesn't look like this at all. Like you edited the colors to fit your Instagram feed. Um, or there's like tons of plastic trash everywhere that you cropped out of your photos. And I wanted to talk about that stuff. Like I didn't want to encourage people to use their precious little vacation time that they had to go somewhere um, that they were going to be disappointed by. Anyway, so um, so yeah, I started wanting to write more about um, mostly like plastic pollution and zero waste stuff. And I guess to make a long story short, that's an inevitable road toward um, getting more into the environmentalism and learning about the climate crisis and everything. And now that is where my tunnel vision is led me, basically. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I know um, just like when I started traveling, you just kind of develop a more global mindset and then start caring about things that are going on outside of your bubble. And especially like in the travel blogging industry, you hear about all of these destinations that like hate influencers and don't want tourists just because like they're affecting their natural 
beauty in such a harsh way. I just think of like when I went to Thailand, I made it to Maya Bay, which is like a really beautiful, famous beach in the PP Islands. And they like right after I went, they're like, we're going to be closing for a season because the damage has just been so terrible. Can you tell us about like one situation specifically that you saw that just kind of like threw you over the edge and you're like, I need to like change something? Uh, It's actually hard to narrow it down to one, but so when I was in Mexico, um, I did a trip through mainland Mexico for like two months. And this had been something I'd wanted to do for years. So there have been years of researching spots and looking at Instagram photos and getting excited about it. And remember when I got to Yerbe al Agua in Oaxaca? If you haven't heard of it, it's these limestone like natural infinity pools slash waterfalls like like rock waterfalls sort of they're really beautiful I guess usually or normally but when I got there the pools were all but one of them were empty and these are natural pools these aren't like man-made pools right they were empty and um there was like pvc pipe sticking out of them And I now know to drain the water out because it's actually a water source for nearby towns or at least one nearby town. And then there was, uh, in one of the pools, there was a hose that was filling it back up. And then there were like red solo cups on the ground everywhere. Oh no. What? Like, this is how, (laughs) how, like, how did people get all those gorgeous photos of this place? Because I'm, what I'm seeing is like clearly not a sustainable situation basically and i might be getting some of the details wrong like not an expert on this place but if i'm remembering right like the water needs to be used for local residents um but it's just like not able to satisfy their need for water so it gets drained and then but then the tourism money is important as well as they've got to fill it back up which is like sort of this vicious cycle i would imagine anyway so that was really disappointing and then the sumidero canyon as well was another trip another day trip around the same area and this beautiful it's like it's like mexico's grand canyon but filled with water basically and like verdant gorgeous and congested with plastic trash all along the sides of the river and so I started reading more about that because again not something I had seen in any of like the blog posts I had read about it yeah and realized it's actually it's been an issue for years like the local wildlife that's already endangered is really struggling because of it and so yeah it became really difficult for me to try to balance writing like the travel blog with injecting like the reality and and trying not to make it like too depressing or off-putting yeah I don't know I, I would imagine like seeing that would be just so painful and like I don't know how like people can think of the earth as something that's just you know disposable and like up to us yeah. to just enjoy and not take care of well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, especially like when I was traveling through Central America, which is my first, uh, my first like big international trip, driving through the hills, you'd see people living in these really rural areas who just burned their trash or in cities, people throwing their trash out windows, which, you know, happens all over the world. And the instinct is to be like, at least, you know, from a U.S. perspective, is to be like, that's horrible. Don't they know that they're like polluting their own environment? When the reality is that for us, we do the same thing. We just put it into a trash can. We like throw it away and it just goes somewhere that we don't have to look at. Um, Yeah, it's out of sight, out of mind. 
Right. So hence getting really into zero waste, but it's been a long journey of realizing like the limits of what one person can do basically. Yeah. I know we can't ever just do everything right, but like every amount of effort, like if everybody gave a little bit of effort into like practicing sustainability and taking care of our planet, we would probably be in a way better place. Yeah, it's depressing to start to internalize that just like not even like just some people don't care about doing that, but like many, many people don't really care about doing it because it's not lucrative, frankly. Yeah. And then when you mentioned that, I think about I used to work for a county government in Florida back where I lived and we rolled out a new solid waste program. So you get these huge trash cans, but you also get a huge recycle bin. And like people would just post about how like they don't care about recycling, even like in some apartment buildings that I've lived in, like you see the trash overflowing, but the recycling is not. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of like, you know, it takes such little effort, like a minor inconvenience to do this. So maybe you can tell us like how you practicing even whatever you can do, like doing what you can helps you feel like you're making a difference and helps you feel like you're being a good steward of the gifts we have. You know, it's sort of a double-edged sword because on one hand doing anything can help you feel like you've got skin in the game, like you're invested and you're going to do your part. On the other hand, if we focus too much on individual changes or like sustainability swaps or, you know, buying the right green products, um, it can give us this sort of validation rush of like, check, I did the right thing. But I mean, obviously like, we do all have to do those things as well. Like we don't have the luxury of being able to choose really. So some of the things that I started with were, you know, pretty basic, honestly, but they felt sort of big hurdles at the time, like finding a bulk store near me where I could get things like granola, coffee, rice, flour, even peanut butter, just put directly into jars really did make me feel like I was doing so much more than just, you know, the alternative of like going to the like Kroger down the street and getting all my plastic bags and everything. So you mean like a bring your own container type place? Yeah. So basically you bring your own jars or it doesn't even have to be jars. Mason jars or something like that is great because, you know, they're airtight, but you just bring them in clean. You go up to the register or the weighing station. They mark it with how much it weighs empty. You go and fill your stuff. You keep track of the number for each product that you're filling it up with. And then when you go to cash out, they just tear out that initial weight from the empty jar. Yeah. And places that do that, if you Google bulk grocery store or something like that, like in your area, I'm sure you'll find something, but places that do offer that are usually used to people coming in specifically for that purpose. So it can be a little intimidating at first because you might like feel like an idiot going in with an empty jar and just like having no idea where to go. But you know, they're just ask someone at the register if you're not sure. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, obviously I've seen like bulk stores that like I think that they're more like for restaurants or something like that. But like when you think about like how many like containers you go through, like I always recycle, but like there's still a ton of containers. Like even when you think about all the boxes and packaging you get when you order stuff online, when it comes to groceries, think about like all the boxes of cereal, like all the rice and beans that you go through and like all Mm -hmm. that like plastic. 
and like yeah. cardboard. You would be amazed at how many things you can buy in bulk. Yeah, any kind of like beans or grains. Usually there's a range of different kinds of cereals and granolas, even like candy and chocolate and stuff like that. Um, baking supplies. Some places will do vinegar or even soaps. I think it's difficult for us to just because of the society that we are in to separate buying things from contributing. Like we think that the best way to contribute because we're bombarded with all of this messaging that tells us to buy stuff constantly is to like swap out this product for a greener one. And so really the bottom line is like anything that you can do to reduce your consumption of raw materials or like, you know, virgin plastic will help. So if you've got a peanut butter jar or like a glass jam jar or something in your cupboard when you're done with that just like throw that in the dishwasher and you don't have to go buy a brand new mason jar or like go to a thrift store and buy little jars so much of the stuff that we see on instagram is like this perfectly organized pantry or fridge where they've gone out bought all of the matching like plastic cereal containers and everything and it's funny because actually a lot of those folks and like no shade or anything still just like buy those containers buy the usual cereal and then empty it into the container and it's more for like organization than cutting down on waste but the effect is that we all see this and think that that that's the way it's done and like no one cares what your cupboard looks like except for you <laughs> yeah no I, I totally get it one of my friends does a bunch of like pantry organization videos but mm -hmm. like you make a good point that like it can be multi-purpose like it can just be organized so it's easy for you to access what you need but also like some small changes as in like going to a bulk store or something like that can like help also reduce your waste yeah honestly i think for people who are just getting into starting to make little changes, there are so many ideas out there and none of them are like significantly better or worse. The bottom line is like anything that you can identify to cut back on your consumption is going to have a positive impact because overconsumption is basically the problem. Yeah. So, and I know like we as Americans are very guilty of overconsumption. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how the sustainability journey for you has kind of overlapped with your self-care. Basically, around the same time that I was starting to get really into researching the climate crisis and what our future will actually look like on this planet. I also was going through a really wild personal time. My mom was diagnosed with cancer. And then a while after that, the pandemic got really serious. So all of a sudden I was like reading these really depressing climate books and also hold up in my house. And so I've just been gardening like crazy. You know, initially that was like, I needed the time outside. Usually in January, February, I would try to be traveling. I live in Ohio, so it's pretty miserable here in the winter. I'm just now starting to realize that like, I actually have to make myself bundle up and go outside and go for walks in the winter to not be like seriously depressed. Right. Um, and like seasonal, like affective disorder, or, like seasonal depression is really a thing too. It's very real. Yeah. So this past winter, I just started going on a lot of walks like in my local metro parks. I started planning out what I wanted to do with my backyard. It was like 
just this big expanse of grass. And I knew I wanted to put in like a pollinator bed and I wanted to grow some vegetables and stuff like that. So I spent a lot of time working on the land, cutting back a lot of invasive weeds that had been (laughs) neglected for like 20 years. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I mean, now things are actually growing and like flowers are blooming and veg is starting to, you know, actually fruit and everything. But I've just gradually realized that my interest in like sustainability and environmentalism and my interest in like the gardening, which is something I did as much for myself as I did for like the pollinators. Like I can't distinguish between the two at this point. I think that there are obvious benefits of, you know, having your hands in the dirt, spending more time in the sun, getting fresh air, like on every level, like even there's more carbon dioxide in the air, like parts per million in the air inside of buildings than there is outside. No wonder we don't perform at our best when we are in an office building for eight hours with like minimal ventilation or, you know, windows that we can't open. So, you know, part of it's that it like physically feels really good to be like working the soil and planting things and pruning. There are just physiological benefits, but also mentally, almost like spiritually, it's really helped me reestablish a connection to like, not just the land or the earth, but the seasons, like the birds and the bugs in my backyard that I think for most of us is almost completely lost. Like when you see birds flying by your window, you probably don't know what kind of bird that is or where that goes, you know, during the winter or, you know, what kind of tree it prefers to live in, stuff like that. And again, I think it just comes down to having skin in the game. Like if you are invested in whatever amount of land you have available to you, or even like the the plants that you own in your apartment, if you're invested in those and you learn about them, you form a relationship with them, you're going to start to notice the changes that we're already seeing from climate change more in ways that are like completely unrelated to those specific plants or that little plot of land, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I love how you described it as what it really is. It's like an ecosystem, like the circle of life. And it's like, as humans, and I guess like, I don't know if it's like the more industrialized we become. I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, we are kind of far removed from that system. So like from the circle of life, we are like safe in our buildings. We can spend like days on end, not going outside. Um, And I feel like the pandemic has forced us to kind of stop and reconnect with the earth. Like we kind of like, since we had, a lot of people had way less to do. We had to live life in a different way. It kind of, I don't know. I feel like it made us reconnect to the earth, reconnect to ourselves. You feel like you need the earth more, if that makes sense. And then you also mentioned the physiological benefits, the energy levels of like being outside and then the effects of like grounding and stuff like that. I feel like those are things that people don't think of. And like, I love what you said about like the birds. And then when you mentioned, um, gardening like I have a couple of house plants and you know when you buy the soil like sometimes it has like bugs in it like yeah. <laughs> I was repotting a plant and I saw like this little worm and like initially I was just like oh gross and I was like oh yeah you go ahead like take care of this soil yeah, yeah I've like 
I still garden half the time with gloves on because like earwigs really freak me out. I've realized like earwigs and grubs, even with like potting soil, if you're just putting something in a pot, if you just physically like have the contact on your skin with dirt, you, like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a scientist y'all, but if you Google it, you will find some studies that have shown something it. about like the or, ions or like the charge, sure, like the charge outside. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that sounds like really woo-woo, but it's true. Like exactly. Of course, and it makes it, sense. Like, of course it helps. Yeah. And I think slow living was becoming really trendy like a few years ago and like minimalism slow travel slow food started getting really trendy I think I don't know maybe like 2007 2008 sometime around there and then I feel like it's sort of like died down a little bit or just been less popular I don't know but yeah recently like everyone's baking their own bread now and like making pies and buying house plants and it's exercising just, riding bikes yeah, like, it's kind what? Of, like yeah yeah and like our outdoor spaces have become so much more important like across the board and it's it's you know again like being in columbus so hard for me to stay positive about like people who have access to mountains and beaches right now out west i am happy for everyone who is able to like go get an amazing view after like you know, a two mile walk or something for me, like I can go to a Metro park and focus on the really small things. Like I have like a whole new set of favorite little native flowers now that I didn't know existed a year ago or like six months ago, even. Let's talk about like any stats or trends about sustainability that you have that can kind of like put this into perspective for us and make us want to take action. Okay, yeah. So like I said earlier, sort of double-edged sword. If you don't know what your individual carbon footprint is every year, you can calculate it. I wouldn't say easily, like you'll need to have some information handy, like how much you pay every month for gas and electric and water, how much you put, how many miles you put on your car if you drive or how Um, often you use public transportation and for how many miles a year. So it does get into the weeds a little bit. There are a lot of sites that you can do that on if you want to. So literally, if if you just Google calculate your carbon footprint, there'll be like a page of them that pop up. The EPA has one. The Nature Conservancy has one. And they'll probably all shoot out different numbers. So if you want to do that, you can. So for context, in the U.S., the average annual carbon footprint per person is about 15 metric tons annually. And I think the global average is about four metric tons. So that's pretty wild. (laughs) Like just another reason to feel crappy, America. Yeah. And the floor, they call it, for the U.S. is 8.5 metric tons. So like that is the bare minimum that you would be able to get your portion down to regardless of any kind of lifestyle changes or like how much you sacrificed, it would still be more than double the global average. Also, and this is where it starts to get more and more bleak, ExxonMobil, for example, just to pick one random fossil fuel giant, their greenhouse gas emissions in 2018 were 124 million metric tons compared to the, you know, 15 um, that you and I probably missed. Again, like that number, 
I think is probably pretty dodgy because it most likely comes from ExxonMobil. So who knows? But for like the last 10 years, it's been 120 to 130 something million. Globally, the 2018 world total was 36.6 billion metric tons. So I just want to get that all out there because we culturally just have such a focus on making individual changes and that can feel really empowering and it can be really empowering. But if you're worried about the climate crisis, crucial that you keep it in perspective because one, you'll burn yourself out if you like try to go too hard at like being perfect and never taking a vacation because you don't fly in a plane. And two, you're not going to get a lot done if all of your energy is taken up um, by focusing on individual changes. Hope that's not too depressing. That said, obviously, the individual changes are important for us each individually at the very least, because I think there's a really big mindset shift that we all need to make as well to just stop feeling almost like the compulsion to consume. And that's, I mean, that's a biggie. That's like a really big personal shift to me. Yes. Yeah. I think it goes back to like scarcity mindset and like wanting to like have all these possessions because you feel like they're fulfilling when in reality things aren't really that fulfilling. And I guess we can talk a little more about things we can do as individuals in a second, but maybe let's talk about the changes that need to happen, like as a community, like, is this like a movement that we have to work on together? Like, can we vote for certain things? Do we have to advocate for certain things. So what are some ideas you have in that regard? If you want to get more involved, um, like in activism to any level or in policy, there are pretty much endless opportunities for ways to do that. I think probably the best way to get started is just Google like your city or state or province and environmental organization. Find an organization in your area that's working on something and odds are it'll be like trying to prevent a new gas well or trying to stop a pipeline from being built, trying to stop chemical dumping in waterways, um, stuff like that there are, these fights are happening all over. So you'll be able to find something in your area. And I know that it's not um, as exciting or like sexy to focus on local stuff because that's not what we hear about the most. But I think that it's just part of this shift towards a more community oriented mindset. It's the same way as like buying local and supporting local businesses, eating seasonally and buying local food, protecting local waterways and soil is is important as well. Yeah, it's just a really great way to like hit the ground running in your community. And I'm a local government girl because I worked in local government for a couple of years, but honestly, I didn't know half the things that I learned while working there. And you know, all the opportunities people have to speak out and advocate for different causes. And I feel like a lot of people just never learned that. So um, I do agree and encourage listeners to check out like their local government and any opportunities for causes that they can help with. I know um, there are a bunch of different like task forces and committees that you can join also. So that's something that I would add. One thing that I found really helpful is getting in touch with local chapters of bigger organizations. I would recommend finding a local chapter of the Sierra Club. I actually was really 
impressed with my local chapter because protests started happening here. The first place I heard about them from was an email sent out to all of the list subscribers for the Central Ohio Sierra Club chapter. Nice. Um, yeah, they also just that organization has a really good track record in general. A lot of the bigger green groups don't so much, um, which is a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. But so that's one place you can look. Uh, another is 350.org. They have a function on their site where, you know, there's like a map, you just plug in your city or your zip code, and they've got 350.org chapters all over the world or um, other groups that have registered just to like affiliate with 350.org. So if, you know, you don't want to like sort through all the chaff of just Googling two sites, you can check out pretty easily. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about in our homes and like our consumption. I know like earlier you mentioned that we are quick to swap one product for another. Something that comes to mind for me is maybe you're buying like recycled paper, paper towels or, or recycled toilet paper. When in reality, a lot of these products, although they're using recycled materials, they're manufactured in facilities that produce a crazy amount of greenhouse gases, like you mentioned. So what I'm hearing and continually learning is that just reducing our consumption and just being wiser with our consumption is probably one of the best ways to change our personal carbon footprint. You know, some things we have to buy, like I am not going to install a bidet in my bathroom. So I'm going to go ahead and keep purchasing toilet paper. <laughs> but there are, you know, more sustainable toilet paper options. Um, or even like you can, you know, buy like bamboo toilet paper in bulk, stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, I would caution against swapping one product for another if it's just like something that you could do without anyway. Yeah, like um, paper towels, swapping for like hand towels or like instead of using like the plastic grocery bags, like bringing your own bags. Like what are some other ways that like we can look around our home and just kind of see like I can change this, I can change this mm -hmm. with minimal effort. Okay, activity. If you... Go around your house. Like, I'm just going to give out some homework. For the next day, every time that you touch something in your home or in your car or at your desk at work, try to be aware. Just take a second and think about where it came from. Like, where was it manufactured? How far did it have to travel to get to you? How long is it going to last? And what are your plans for it when it's done? Is it going to go in a landfill? Are you going to be able to recycle it or, you know, ideally reuse it for something else? You know, I'm not trying to say like we all need to be martyrs and start like giving up all of our sort of creature comforts because again, like there's there are very real limits on what individual sacrifices or changes can do. But I think it does really help to start being mindful of the things that we surround ourselves with. And, you know, it goes back to sort of just slowing down and forming more of a relationship with everything that you surround yourself with. You know, people love sourdough now. I don't know why. I feel like other breads are so much easier to make, so I don't really get it. But <laughs> And banana um, bread. Right. Yeah. It's awesome that like people are like making their own bread now. And, you know, for me, like sowing my own seeds. And I know a lot of people have been like buying house plants and there's sort of a trend, especially with clothing. I know you talked about fast fashion recently. There's a trend to 
like replace instead of buying from Forever 21, Gap, Old Navy, H&M, Zara, buying from brands that are more sustainable or maybe even, you know, make their clothes out of like recycled plastic. But that's expensive. Right. (laughs) There's a real barrier to entry there. And so when I say like form a relationship with the things that you surround yourself with, I don't mean like buy really nice stuff. I mean, choose the things that you decide to bring into your space with care, even if you're getting them at a thrift store, or even if like a friend is offering you a pair of jeans that she doesn't want anymore. And it actually is like really, this is, I mean, this sounds so cliche, but it's like genuinely really freeing to sort of divorce yourself from clutter and just stuff. Yeah, for real. So like, if you haven't already go back and listen to the episode I recorded about minimalism. So there are some good nuggets in there. But what I'm gathering from what you're saying is to think of the products we consume and like, the things that we bring into our home, think of them as part of your life and not as things that are disposable. So like when we think about the fast fashion, for example, like we all, we want to be like super trendy buy like cute, like flower print top because that style is in right now, but only like, yeah, maybe you spent less than $20 on it, but like you said, you're going to get rid of it. You might even like throw it in the trash or like sometimes when we donate stuff to like certain organizations, like, a goodwill or something like that. Like maybe they think you wore it out too much, so they throw it out. So it's kind of like just being more mindful and careful with what we consume. Mm-hmm. I think even like for me, sort of looking back on the last few years when I've started trying to make some of these changes, it's not even about the stuff. Again, the impact from not buying a single pair of jeans at Old Navy is almost negligible. And sure, if all of us stopped buying clothes from shops like that, it would have a really big impact. But for me, at least the point of sort of exercises like this is just to change your own mindset, like change your relationship with stuff and just the world around you in a bigger way. I really liked in that minimalism episode, I think you talked about Kate Flanders. Um, Yes, the year of less. Yeah. I actually, I remember finding her blog like years ago and I was so into her blog because she did, you know, that spending, I think she called it a spending fast. Yeah. But she did it for like, I mean, she did it for like years, I think maybe with some breaks in between. But so now I start every year, the first two or three months of the year, I do a spending fast and I write down like what things I know I'm going to need. So any household stuff, it goes without saying like, I'm going to have to buy toothpaste and hand soap and stuff like that. But if I know um, I'm going to need a new pair of tennis shoes in the next three months, like that goes on my okay list. And I spend a lot of time writing that out. And honestly, the, the purpose of that is as much for getting myself in a good place financially for the, you know, first quarter of the year as it is to reevaluate, you know, if, am I slipping back into bad, like shopping habits? Yeah. Like, do I actually need this? But that's like, that's been genuinely transformational for me. Yeah. I, I would totally agree. Even the act of saying like, if you are doing a month long spending fast, highly recommend you'll save money. And you realize in week two that you really, really need a new pair of jeans. Like you're split at the crotch. You have to buy a new pair of jeans. You don't get to buy a new pair of jeans. You have to wait two weeks and waiting two weeks is like, it does something in your brain. 
Like it really divorces the act from like the weird rush that we get from buying, you know? Totally. So can you tell us how practicing sustainability and making these life adjustments has contributed to you as a person, maybe like how you think of yourself, like how, how fulfilling it is or just how it's changed you. I don't, it's hard to like, it's been such a gradual process. I will say, I feel like much more empowered having just more knowledge of what the climate crisis means and looks like. Like this is something that was important to me for as long as I can remember knowing what climate change meant. And I think that's true for most of us that like believe that it is a real thing. But I mean, I studied like languages and writing all through school. So the the science aspect of it seemed really intimidating to me. Like it just felt like there was so much information. There were so many aspects of it, so many different ways that its effects can be seen. It felt really overwhelming. I just knew vaguely that it was like a bad thing that was happening that we needed to do something about. But I had no idea of like the actual scale, you know, like what will the earth look like in 100 years if we continue current levels of consumption and extraction. And, you know, I, I still don't, but I'm, I'm closer <laughs> to sort of understanding like what the science is pointing to. And that's genuinely empowering. I feel like I just can be a better advocate. I mean, that was the catalyst for a huge shift for me from focusing on trying to go zero waste and like doing that perfectly to having so much more grace and patience with myself and with other people. And, you know, that's a big kind of part of any kind of advocacy is like having patience and understanding and being able to like welcome people in as opposed to being like, why are you using that straw? Which was me until like embarrassingly recently. (laughs) It's actually, it might still be me because I just... You bring your own utensils everywhere. <laughs> yeah, like recentering that focus has taken such a sort of burden off of my shoulders. Hearing people talk about climate change and environmentalism and sustainability and everything, people usually fall into one of two camps, which is either like 100% personal responsibility or 100% corporate responsibility at least in my experience, you know, with people I've talked to about it, where it's either like you don't use a single straw ever in your lifetime, which is so micro, it's like ridiculous, or I shouldn't be expected to change anything because in reality, corporations are the problem, which is like mostly true. But unfortunately, we just don't have the luxury of choosing which changes we need to, you know, affect. Right. Yeah, I love that how you talked about how it's made you slow down and understand others and just really developing that compassion that I feel like is just so necessary. And I wish we had a lot more of in this world. So that's an interesting way how like, just caring about our earth and doing the best you can can just, you know, change your lifestyle. Mm, Yeah, literally, even I think I've been thinking about this a lot lately with, um, you know, gardening and everything and why it's had the effect on me that it has with my relationship to sustainability. I think literally getting like getting one house plant and taking the time to research it and figure out what kind of soil it needs and like what are the absolute best conditions for that house plant and like checking on it every single day and things like that like that is a gateway into sustainability. Like you don't have to put pressure on yourself to to do it right like 
100% full throttle from day one. And, you know, with any kind of advocacy or allyship, I think creativity is really key. I think we're seeing it a lot right now as well with um, anti-racism work. There's so many people putting together guides or workshops or, um, you know, lists of books to read and documentaries to watch and podcasts to listen to, which is all genuinely helpful stuff. But also as non-Black people, do we really need to have those answers spoon-fed to us? Like, yeah. It's helpful. It saves time. But if we all also just like approached it with a little bit of creativity and thought about like what our own lives looked like, and we're just honest with ourselves, that would probably be more effective because we would have to, you know, actually interrogate ourselves a little bit more to get there. Yeah. Give a little bit of a damn. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Just, um, just spend a little time. I think I really want to like reinforce that with the sustainability stuff, it doesn't have to be a big deal. Like do anything, you know, when you're trying to start going to the gym and making a habit of that or like running every day or whatever, like for the first few days, you just go to the gym. Like you don't have to do anything or like you just put on your running shoes. And if you go for a walk, like that's a success. And yeah, I think it's the same with sustainability. Just like do what feels good to you. And if you're quiet with yourself for a minute and look around your home and your day to day, then I think that those opportunities will become pretty clear. And they're also going to be things that you're more excited about than probably anything I would tell you to do. For sure. Yeah. Something is better than nothing. And also done is better than perfect. So just throwing a little cliches your way. (laughs) (laughs) So one question that I always like to ask my guests uh, is, what does self-development mean to you? Yeah, I think learning how to be content, like what that actually means. Like I think when I was like college age, I didn't realize that you had to like try to be happy or you had to like identify what, you know, happiness was for you and go after that. And I feel like that's just such a constant process and not just like being content with like your financial situation and how your home looks and your relationship or your friendships or whatever, but content with like who you are as a person. I think, you know, and that's like really uncomfortable sometimes as we are um, all reflecting on more and more lately, I hope. Um, Yeah, learning, like being honest with myself and just identifying like, oh, I really could be a better ally or like, wow, I really have been quiet about this forever. um, And I shouldn't be like, I'm not content with that. I'm not content to be that person. I think I think that's sort of just what I'm after in general. Yeah, I really love that. And then part of um, working to be happy and finding your happy is accepting that that changes over time, just like we grow and change. The things that make us happy also grow and change. So it doesn't have to be like a huge identity crisis. We just have to embrace the only thing that's constant, which is change. So frustrating though, isn't it? Like I just figured it out. Yeah, like like, I'm tired. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. So Can you tell us anything you'd like to share with anyone listening right now? Is there anything exciting that you're working on that we can share? Yeah, so um, I'm actually working on a 
seven day sustainability challenge right now. So it's going to be branching off of a lot of what we've talked about. It's going to be focused a lot more on like one thing you can do every day to become a better advocate um, for the environment and like really tangible things that you can do that'll have a long-term impact on either your outlook or um, your actual footprint. So that's what I'm working on right now. I love that. I want to do it. (laughs) You are welcome. You should actually. That challenge sounds awesome. I'll look forward to joining it. So where can we find you and this challenge online? My website is everywhereish.com. So it's just everywhereish.com. On Instagram, I'm everywhereishdylan. And then I'm actually going to be putting together everything that we've talked about here um, and some of the resources I mentioned and some additional info, like more tangible stuff that you can do on my site. So that's just going to be at everywhereish.com slash develop your dream. Yay. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. I feel like I learned a ton and I know everybody listening will learn a ton too. So I'm looking forward, like I'm going to do your, your homework and like go home and think about where things came from, how long they'll be with me and what I'll do with them afterwards. Um, but yeah. I do it too, actually, I feel like I could do it like every quarter and probably catch myself. For real. Yeah. So thanks so much for your time. Really learned a lot. And again, really just appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thank you so much, Whitney. Wasn't Dylan amazing? I've already taken her advice and found a local bulk store near me that I'm excited to check out. I have a ton of mason jars waiting to be put to good use. I'm also in total plant mom mode and our conversation made me really consider starting a veggie garden so we can have some food that we grow on our own. I have been doing my best to support local businesses here and especially via our local farmer's market, which is conveniently right across the street every Saturday morning. If you have questions for Dylan or want to learn more about that challenge she mentioned, feel free to swipe over to the show notes so you can find her and be on your way. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend or loved one, especially if they need advice like this. And don't forget to share your favorite takeaways with me on social media. I'm on Instagram at develop your dream podcast and on Twitter at dev your dream. So that's all for today. I'll catch you on the next episode of develop your dream.